0: 1045 The Zone In
1: Nashville, Tennessee, pal I'm the man
0: This is Squared Circle Radio
1: Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show
0: The latest news and commentary On the world of professional wrestling
1: They make sure you ain't booty
0: And now Squared Circle Radio The face that runs the place With your main eventers Jason Martin, David Reed And Brandon Haggerty.
1: Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome in. Square Circle Radio on the air like we always are. Talking pro wrestling here on 104.5 The Zone along with David Reed along with Brandon Hagney. I'm Jason Martin. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. You can follow us there. A lot of pro wrestling to talk about this week. The shakeup may still be continuing. We will certainly discuss that in great detail. Firefly Funhouse is going to be something we're going to talk about on this show. Montreal Screwjob, something we're going to talk about on this show as it's back in the news, and I watched the documentary that kind of brought it all back up uh, this week. I saw it, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But before we do anything else, congratulations to Jonathan Hutton and congratulations to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Tennessee. Last night was the end of the 10-week campaign for all of the candidates. And obviously, you know, we had our event where we had everybody here for the WrestleMania viewing party, and we've had Hutton on a few times during this process, and he's been on on my 6 o'clock program as well. I've never seen somebody that already works incredibly hard do what he did over the past 10 weeks. I don't know how he did it, quite frankly, but I can tell you this. He raised $147,989 and won the 2019 Man of the Year for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and then did, and he, David, I don't know if he told you, but he kind of, he confided in me a couple of weeks ago and he told me how it would go down if he won. And he turned around and handed that title over to Reed Besh, who was dealing with the disease and said, you are the man of the year. And I remember when he told me this a couple of weeks ago in confidence, I just thought to myself, yeah, as if I needed another reason to want you to win this thing anymore. And it's just... I was actually talking to my mom yesterday on the phone and and about the campaign and about other things that were going on, and I was just like, you know, I'm blessed to be surrounded with the people that I'm surrounded with in my personal life and certainly in my professional life, and to be able to call that guy a friend and a colleague, it's just, uh, it was an amazing night, and it was just unbelievable to watch him work and was unbelievable to watch everybody kind of come around to, to help him out and support him over this past 10 weeks. And so much of this goes to the 104.5 The Zone listening audience, which he said on stage last night. We all reiterated it on our various social media platforms as well. He said, and he's probably right, 90% of that money probably came from the listening audience. And this is exactly what we anticipated. It's not like we expected or take it for granted. We just know who you guys are. And so before we can talk pro wrestling, I want to congratulate him, but I also just want to, on behalf of everybody, and you'll hear him do it many times and probably other hosts as well tomorrow, congratulate all of you guys because you made it all possible. Leukemia and Lymphoma Society overall made $543,000, I believe, behind all the candidates. But Jonathan Hutton went into it wanting to get hundred grand, and that is a very lofty goal. And he exceeded it by forty nine or forty seven thousand nine hundred and eighty nine dollars. So I should have donated unreal.
2: an extra eleven dollars to like, get him to that. <laughs> yeah, you guys should have like told me from the uh, from the banquet last night. You should have shot me a text, and I would have donated eleven dollars.
0: I uh, I wish that they would have let me know, and I'd have rounded up to thirty one cents <laughs> to make it a whole dollar figure. That that's what bothered me throughout the course of the night. But I. No, the, everything that Jason just said is one hundred percent true. And I, I was looking around that room last night, even before uh, he was announced as the Man of the Year winner. Just looking at the team that is part of this radio station and this this building here, I, I never, I can't remember the last time I was more proud to be a part of a team and what a group of people came together to accomplish. And that was one of the first things that. Jonathan said last night to um, our general manager, Allison Warren, who was there, never again should you underestimate the power of the listeners of 104.5 The Zone because being able to raise that amount of money in 10 weeks and what you said about Reed was 100% true. Seeing everything that... Jonathan has put into this campaign over the course of the... It's been been longer than
1: 10 weeks. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he talked, he asked us about it months before. It said, hey, can I do this? Should I do this? Things like that. To
0: think about Reed undertaking this enterprise while battling that disease, just the thought of that alone is worth standing up and, and applauding that man. But... Yeah, Hutton last night, I thought his speech was great. It was. It was uh yeah, I just it was a really proud moment. And I think uh you'll hear this a lot from him this week. But Nashville, the listeners of this radio station, the listeners of, so of all the different shows, they're the ones that need to take a bow because they're the ones that stepped up and made this all possible. He he gets his name written somewhere in in a in a scroll at LLS, but it was the people who who supported this campaign through all the different events and just donating five dollars, ten dollars, thousands of dollars? It's just it has been truly remarkable to see what people can come together and do when the cause is right and the people driving it are devoted to it.
1: Yeah, and we're just happy that we were able to be even a minuscule part of it in some respect, and us holding our watch party and just the the kind of people that were there at that event. Yes. All of them donating money to be there. Several of them were at the other events too. Absolutely. Papa John's, of course, making the food possible. Like there are the thank yous go on and on, but I know how grueling this process was. Yeah. And so I know that there is relief as well yes. in it being over i talked to his wife claire last night and you could just see she she even said she goes it doesn't even feel real
0: yeah i that i it's took the, over i right took now. the i had the honors last night of reintroducing those two to each other so uh yeah. if, if there's another hutton uh rolling around here in 9 months i feel like i'm somewhat responsible for that yeah i was always going to be on board uh just because uh, you know, hutton and i go back a long ways to when he was an intern at titans radio when i was in uh, working over there, but I, I would have done it if he'd have told me how great those Brussels sprouts were last night at that banquet. I'd have done it for the Brussels sprouts. Well, not not the most healthiest Brussels sprouts I've ever had, but probably the most tasty.
1: That honey bar, that <laughs> honey bacon airline chicken. Yeah, it's was pretty solid as well. But it was it was a tremendous event. Congratulations to Hutton. He's been a supporter of this program since I don't know. Before we started it, when we first even hatched the idea of it over five years ago, so to watch that, you know none of us are surprised that he won because we knew if he was gonna do it, he was gonna do everything gotcha. under his power to to win as much money as possible. But I remember being at the songwriter's night and reed besh the the aforementioned guy who he turned the title over to last night, he had a mask over his face like he's he is really battling, he is actively battling and So it was, and just the look on his face, like it caught him off guard. And I, you know, it was, it was every bit the moment that, that we thought that it would be, but a great night and congratulations to Hudden and then certainly everybody else take a bow. This is what the zone listening audience did. It's what you did at Toy Field. It's what you do every time we ask just for your time or for anything from you. You always exceed those expectations. I'm sure he will have plenty to say about that uh, tomorrow on the midday 180. Let's go ahead and take an early break because there's not a great way to segue for two minutes into pro wrestling content. So when we come back, we will begin to talk about the shakeup, about WWE stock, and yes, about Firefly Funhouse. That is a thing. Maybe we'll actually lead with that next. Squared Circle Radio, rolling right along here on a Sunday on 104.5 The Zone. We really glad that you're our friend And this
2: is a friendship band.
1: Yep. Firefly Funhouse. House. Welcome back, Square Circle Radio 1045. Zone Brandon Hagney, David Reed with me. I'm Jason Martin.
2: I do like this music. It's peppy. Like I was I was not feeling it coming in this morning. Drank a coffee, had a headache. Now I'm now I'm I'm amped. I'm ready to go. All right. It's so. like a nice alarm clock in the morning. Like I, I know some people that have like really mm. harsh, loud yes um. I used to live with a guy. One of my old roommates when I was in college had like the Mega Man Two theme song as his alarm clock. So like literally every morning at like five forty-five, echoing
0: throughout the house, you would hear like
2: whoa
0: every morning. I, I, uh, but there, that,
2: that was that was pleasant. That was nice.
0: There was about a month and a half after Lindsay and I got married that uh, we went through just about every alarm on her phone because she had the most obnoxious. It sounded like a submarine diving to the depths of the ocean.
2: There was a, I, I also lived at this point with my uh, friend, Derek, who was the best man at my wedding and his alarm was even worse. He could not wake up. He was one of those guys that just like, literally oh, could yeah. not wake up. And he had an early morning job at that time. And he was late for this job, like 10 or 12 times. Like he was on the verge of getting fired.
1: Let me suggest what'll wake you up. Bree mode.
2: <laughs> that That's a good one. That's a good one. But, Somehow he went and found an alarm clock that not only was just an alarm clock that you put on your uh, nightstand or whatever, but it also had this like ball. Yes. It was a vibrating ball that you put in between your mattress and box spring. So this whenever your alarm went off, this ball would also vibrate and shake your entire bed. Now I'm good. And there was times. There were times where Derek, would, he was dating a girl at the time and would be staying the night at his girlfriend's house, and this alarm would still go off at (laughs) 5.30 in the morning. And you would just, like from my room, you could hear the bed vibrating. And I had no idea how to turn this thing off, so I'm like I'm half asleep going into his room just punching the alarm clock trying to get it to stop. Anyways, moving
1: on. Bray Wyatt repackaged. The buzzard puppet has come to... Mercy, the mercy, the buzzard. the buzzard, and what's the what's the I don't know the other. There's a girl, and then there's a bird. I think the,
0: something the witch. I could yeah, understand. that's right.
1: Peppy the witch or something like that. <laughs> I don't think it's Peppy. I think it may be Peppy. Actually, I'm serious. I think it might be Peppy the witch. Peppy, yeah, Peppy, Pepe the frog. So it's Bray Wyatt, Pepe Le Pew, and I used to have a cat named Peppy. It's clearly a a takeoff on some version of Pee Wee's Playhouse with an even, like, darker tinge to it. There are some people that say, there's a little bit of the Eric Andre show there as well. There's certainly... Some people going, Mr. Rogers, I don't see that. I see it much more in the Pee-wee's Playhouse. Just the sweater, I guess, is where they're drawing the lines. Right. But, I mean, just the way it looks, it looks like Pee-wee's Playhouse more so than the others. I think this is an all-or-nothing proposition. It's either going to work like crazy or it's going to fail miserably. And it seemed like the early response that I saw to it on Monday when it first aired, it wasn't particularly negative. I think that people are actually going to give it a chance to see exactly what it is. And so I owe it the same respect, even though when I first saw it, I said, I think this is going to be like broken Matt Hardy for me. Broken or woken? Broken, where it just didn't do it. Yeah, for me. I
2: mean, and I get that, and there is a large portion of the professional wrestling fan base that do like that stuff. I mean, the broken stuff wasn't really for me either, although I think I was more respect receptive to it than the two of you, especially David. Like David still thinks it was an affront to humanity. Yeah, and
1: I wrote about it, and people hated me for writing about it.
2: Yeah, but because there's there is a large portion. Of the fan base, I don't. I wouldn't say it's the majority of professional wrestling fans, but a large portion that do enjoy sort of just campy stuff, and that's what the broken Matt Hardy character was. The one thing I happen to actually kind of enjoy, I have sort of turned around on this Bray Wyatt thing, where I remember texting you guys the the screenshot of like Buzzard the the Buzzard puppet and saying, "There's
1: no way that this thing is." You're saying this is going to be such a bad I mean, idea. This is going
2: to be such a bad idea, and it's gonna. There's no way it's not terrible. There's still a pretty good chance this is terrible. <laughs> but one of the, one of the things that I would like to commend Bray Wyatt on is just the 100 percent
1: buy-in. Oh well, yeah. To this thing, sure. I mean, it wouldn't even come close to working if he didn't.
2: Like, there are very few people I feel like that would be able to just lay everything out on the line for something that is really out there. Like even if you do enjoy this Firefly Funhouse thing, you can agree that it's pretty
1: out there. What's the list of guys that would do this? R-Truth, I could see potentially being a guy that would. It's not a very long list. Matt Hardy would do this. Right. We might be at the end of the list. Yeah,
0: Damien Sandow would have done it because you, he did everything you asked him to do. And at a high level, I'm intrigued by it, and I'm going to give it a chance simply because I, I have things in my mind of where it could go, um, and if this leads to Bray versus Bo at some point, I would be all for that. Give us that instead of teasing it like we had
1: Goldust and Stardust. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering that never paid off. I'm wondering why in we WWE saw at least yeah, when we WWE, first saw yeah. when we first saw the teases for Mercy. And the thing, the creepy music that played underneath it, and right. like the smoke and the black deal. That seems really odd to me based on what the reveal turned out. Well, if you
2: if you saw, there are a couple of times where in, in the fun house, like the camera shakes a little bit and there's yeah. a thing like Brace still wearing like these gloves that yeah. say, like, I can't remember what they say. heal these, and like,
1: hate. Heal and hate or heal and hurt. One of the two. I think that but there it, is It, it a, strikes
2: me as. The Bray Wyatt character who is trying to like bury the demons, but the demons
1: keep coming back. What about the idea of it being some kind of takeoff on Split? Not that that's the deal, but that is a split personality, or some kind of a schizophrenic idea where this is just one of the Bray (laughs) Wyatt. I mean, it could be, but just that this is one, but there's also the other Bray Wyatt and that they that they could tell that story as well. Like he pulled out the chainsaw, obviously, and cut his own image to say, hey, I'm this new guy. But well, what if he's not? Like you're talking about the demons rising back up. What if they're all part of this personality that we're still going to see various roles in? What I also want to know is, how does this get to a wrestling ring? That's a good point. Where does this get to a wrestling ring? When does this get to a wrestling ring? On what brand does this get to a wrestling ring? Not that everybody that's... Look, Elias doesn't ever have to work a match, as far as I'm concerned. Like, he can continue to do the kinds of things he's doing. That's absolutely fine. Maybe Bray doesn't either, but Bray looks like he's in really good shape, and I've seen Bray have some pretty great wrestling matches as well. So I kind of want to see him in the ring. I just don't know how this gimmick gets there. I know it can... There's a lot I want. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to watch it. and I'm going to give it an opportunity to either rise or fall in my own mind. I'm just very unsure of where this goes in the short term because we saw it on Monday and we saw it on Tuesday. And I guess we're just going to keep seeing probably little episodes, little mini of the Funhouse of the Firefly Funhouse for the next, I would say, probably month at least yeah i don't think we see this this character live for a while and i think that's fine and if look if it builds up and it works then by the time you've actually put him on tv he may get you know some gigantic reaction here there's a possibility this could be really good and i do think there's no middle ground here it's not just going to be eh, it's all right not this gimmick this gimmick's either all or nothing yeah
0: i think you're waiting for this to to happen every monday or tuesday night or you're skipping past it on your DVR. What I do like about it is I, I like all the Easter eggs. Like, if that continues to be a part of it, I, I like the gloves and naming the the buzzer Mercy. Yeah. Um, things like that. That will that will be enough to keep me intrigued until they do find a way to, to get it in the ring. But speaking of Mercy, I mean, to me, it, they're painting him as a character like they... The original Waylon Mercy back in the day was a guy who had all these. He was Bo Dallas until the bell rang, and then he was Bray Wyatt. That kind of seems to be what they're doing. He's here. Festus?
1: <laughs> the bell oh, rings yes. and he becomes Festus. <laughs> I guess the other the other comparison that I you I'm make to race Festus for my mind actually. <laughs> there's also there's a little bit of blues clues to this too. Like there's like I'm trying to find like different things. I know Pee Wee's Playhouse is definitely Why didn't one. Why did they call it race clues? Bray's clues would have been really nice. Is he still? Did he actually use his own name at the early part of the first skit and say Bray Wyatt? Yeah, yeah. He he referenced. Hi, I'm Bray Wyatt. Like I was trying to figure out if he if he had like changed his name or anything. I guess he's just gonna stick to it. But I do think that he's one of the few guys that could maybe pull this off. And there is, I heard someone else say this this week. There is some of the Bo Dallas, Bo Leave character yeah. kind of mixed into this ether with what this Bray Wyatt character is doing from the positivity and the smiling and all of that.
0: And that's why I put in my mind the fact that, of you know, we might finally get Bray acknowledging that Bo's his brother, bringing him into the fold, and that leading to
1: a feud between those two
0: down the road.
1: Well, the superstar shakeup has moved Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel to. SmackDown.
2: Uh, it was like I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah,
1: happened did. like it happened like two days. Like, it was like NXT. Like it legitimately happened on Friday.
0: The rollout of the whole Superstar Shakedown. Uh, aside of all of the big names, has been just like, oh, here's this person walking out for it's the first so, time of a new show.
1: So ridiculous. Brandon made this point, and it just continues to be more and more true by the day. They had how long? Knowing that this was coming. Well, we had
2: talked about on this show for months that we thought that would be when Kevin Owens came back because you knew that the superstar shakeup was happening the Monday after WrestleMania, after the Raw after WrestleMania. In Montreal. In Montreal. We knew that for months. Yes. And you would have thought the way that they handled this thing, you would have thought that about six fifty-six PM Central Time on Monday. Executives from USA and Fox told WWE you have to have a
1: shake-up tonight
0: yeah well that was a, that was actually the Vince McMahon rewrite uh, right that was that was him
1: there's so many stories surrounding this as well and there's some misinformation about why certain things have changed and there's injuries the Kevin Owens heel turn that happened on Tuesday night was not supposed to happen but Too soon. Too things soon. happened that forced it he was going to be the second. Babyface, second-highest babyface on the brand. Like, here's the th- Daniel Bryan got hurt. Yeah, we, Kofi were, supp- got we over. were
2: supposed to get a rematch. I believe we were supposed to have a rematch between Kofi and Daniel Bryan at Money and. the Kevin Bank. Kevin Owens
1: was supposed to be a long-term babyface, and they just had to change that thing on the fly. And this scares me a little bit Not about only- Daniel Bryan, too. Because we don't really know what's wrong with him. He's just gone.
2: There has been zero really reporting surrounding what's going on with Daniel Bryan right now. We just haven't seen him since WrestleMania. But the thing with Kevin Owens, like, I kind of assumed, once it kind of became clear that maybe Daniel Bryan, there was something up there, like I kind of assumed that Kevin Owens was going to turn on Kofi Kingston. I mean, I even put out on Tuesday, before it even happened, I said this whole thing ends with an apron power bomb for Kofi Kingston. And it right? turned, out to, it turned out to be Xavier Woods. But still, like we still have three weeks until money in the bank. Yep. Like you could have done this two weeks from now.
1: You could have. You like, could you have built up you could have built up more equity in exactly. the Kevin Owens portion of this before doing it, but no, they didn't.
2: So now they just have to write three weeks worth of television, which I don't I don't trust them to do.
1: like I want to see Kofi
2: Kingston versus Kevin Owens right now. Like if there were, if money in the bank was right now tonight, I would be all in on that match. Mm -hmm. But instead we have three more weeks of them trying to build a Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens story that I don't trust them to write, which is sad that I don't trust them to write three weeks worth of compelling television.
1: So when we come back, we'll talk about what's going to happen at money in the bank. Some of the plans for this summer, which are going to boggle your mind. Also, we're going back to Saudi Arabia. And so is Brock Lesnar, apparently. Squared Circle Radio back in the flash here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. David Reed, Brandon Hagney. I'm Jason Martin. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. So it's going to be Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. The house show main event, and it, that feels like a SummerSlam match. That doesn't feels feel like, like something like they should the not Bank be match. doing right now at all. But I'd much rather watch this than Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin, which is what we may be getting in July from the last thing that I saw.
2: What if you? It looked like we were getting that at Money in the Bank. Like it that did. Was, the reporting around it was
1: Corbin's. Obviously, they they're going to continue to do a lot with Corbin, and
2: they're, I'm going to continue to not do a lot with Raw. <laughs>
1: But, I mean, AJ and Seth's going to be tremendous. It's going to be really, really good. But it does seem like they're just kind of wasting it at a time when they could have saved it for a bigger show. But it just shows what's not available, I guess, on that brand. You also have Becky Lynch performing twice, defending against Lacey Evans, defending against Charlotte. And then there's a female money in the bank match, which could easily lead to Becky, who's already won twice, being cashed in on and dead, basically, and losing one of those titles, I could see, also see her holding like the, the person, two belts for a while.
2: This is kind of like an unprecedented situation, like someone carrying those two championships. But if she gets cashed in on, does like the person just decide which belt they want?
1: Well, I think it's whatever brand you're on, right? Fair. I realized that halfway through that sentence.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like your idea better, though. That that way you could tie it
0: all together, and you could it could be another superstar shakeup.
1: Iconics pick the
0: belt, and then you walk over to that brand.
1: The i Iconics against um, Kyrie Sane and Oscar most likely, and Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville in like a three way. Um, Listen, at least we, we're not having the Iconics working on both, like working two matches.
2: We all have issues with the Iconics, uh, in ring work. And and your mileage on whether or not you enjoy the characters could vary uh, from person to person. I just don't understand WWE's thought process behind giving an act, whether it's one person or two, championships, and then continuously having them lose.
1: Yeah they they have like, won they saying, have one since they won those matches, and
2: not only have they not they won, the won they are losing in spectacular
1: fashion. Like 90 seconds. Well, here's the thing. you get these new championships. You want to build credibility with them. So you put them on Sasha and Bailey. Perfect. That's good. Leave them on Sasha and Bailey for a while. Let them have good matches with them. Now, you've got Oscar and Kyrie Sane. if they win them, they should like I've said before. They should hold them like Bruno San Martino, like never lose them joints. Like if they're around twenty years, Oscar and Kyrie Sane are champions for twenty years.
2: Like but fifty-five year old Oscar is still. How the did we? The how
1: did
0: we get to the point? Uh, why do winners not win anymore?
2: <laughs> like that's the thing. Like, go back last week with the original superstar shakeup that we oh, thought was going to be contained in two. This is two version days. version one. Ah. Version one. V one. Of the superstar shakeup. Like you had the what the Viking experience that yes. are now the Viking Raiders. And that, that may might be, be being, changed again
1: because yeah. they sent a poll out after the show and said, What do you think of the Viking serious? Raiders?
2: Yeah, we might have a third change of their name. But they debut and immediately pin the tag team champions. Like uh you know, Andrade comes over to Raw immediately, pins the Intercontinental Champion, In a then, go, then match, goes to SmackDown and, and gets pinned. Yes, but that's the thing. Like over and over and over again, the only, I feel like the only champion that didn't get pinned Seth. that day is Seth and Samoa Joe because <laughs> Samoa Joe was sick.
1: That's right, because he was unable to perform. He was unable to lose. It's true. It's amazing how. This is how WWE works, too. Between pay-per-views, guys that hold championships lose over and over again, and then they win again on the pay-per-view. So it accomplishes precisely nothing because it's a bunch of non-title wins. Okay, now it's for the championship. Now you can't win.
0: Well, the thing about it, too, with the Iconics, look, we get it. We don't like them. That's all the more reason to have them find ways to screw people out of wins on television until you take the belts off of them. Like I don't understand how this is oh, so no, I agree people who get
1: paid to do this. I this agree. Business. They should be cheating their yes. rear ends off and winning and
0: going over. And do it in three minutes so I don't have to waste that much time of my life watching the Iconics.
1: I, truthfully, again, you're trying to build credibility, and instead of keeping them on pretty talented wrestlers, you put them on sports entertainers. That's what you did. You basically took that thing back to the divas realm by putting it on them. And now... If it were me, I would screw Oscar and Kyrie Stane out of them for a couple of months let the Iconics like... Because at this point, the wins and losses don't matter, especially if they're by hook or by crook kind of deals. But you have told us with the past couple of weeks of television that they stink because they can't win matches. So then when they do show up and win at the pay-per-view... That's not going to make you mad because they won. It's just going to make everybody mediocre. And not only can they not win matches, like for two weeks, the
2: both of them have just been mowed through by Naomi yeah. on Raw. That's right. Like, just not even a one on one match. Like, yes, yeah, you won the one on one match and then just ended up beating the crap out of the
1: other one. So, who, who, who do you think they're going to put with her as a tag team partner? Because they're going to put somebody with her. Think about Alexa, maybe, as a babyface, if they wanted to do that. There's Dana not, Brooke, if they want to give that a shot. There's
2: not a lot of people that make sense on the Raw women's roster. There's
1: really only three, right? I'm trying to even think who the third one is. I mean, I guess Natty's still on, Is Natty still on the brand? She, she's still there. There's nobody that's a, that's a natural fit there, but you would imagine Naomi's not just going over the Iconics and back-to-back singles matches for no apparent reason. But Becky Lynch is going to perform twice. The Iconics are not. That's one decision we can agree upon. That's a good move by the WWE. We don't need these things to happen. Money in the Bank has the Iconics probably in a three-team tag match. We're going to get Becky versus Lacey Evans. Becky versus Charlotte Flair. And boy, Charlotte Flair is not to blame for everything. They have done a great job in WWE of making I'm gonna go ahead and call you this if you buy this marks believe that Charlotte has a ton of power in this company because of Andrade getting moved over and because of her being included in this triple threat if you don't recall Andrade and Charlotte have been dating for a while and WWE has known it if Charlotte had power why has Andrade done nothing to this point and why did they split them up knowing that they were a couple originally if she had stroke none of that would have happened and he would have had a championship three or four months ago so she didn't have that much power you also remember that what was it that they made sure not to do or they weren't even going to announce Charlotte was going to be in a triple threat or, or whatever like that until after the flair birthday because they didn't want to cancel the flair birthday or something like that like Charlotte is just a performer. She's also a very talented performer. Now you might want to see other people. I do. I mean, I want to see Ember Moon personally get an opportunity. I wanted to see that version of Bailey from Tuesday. Yeah, and the ba- and that was a great match. It really was. But Charlotte Flair is not like wielding major stroke in the company. They just happen to like her, and they've done a great job of making people believe. That she has all of this power, just like Brock Lesnar doesn't want to be in WWE. It's the same exact thing. They have it's worked
2: that, these smart fans. Is that 2003 Triple H? Yeah, I mean,
1: relax, people. There was
0: a, the whole, way the whole thing went down with with uh, Flair and Batista set all that the whole angle up was was pitch perfect. But there was part of me that wanted this was how you got to the Charlotte in the Triple Threat match was.
1: Uh, her being Batista?
0: No, no. <laughs> like, her asking Rick what he wanted for his birthday, and he's saying, I want you to be in the main event at WrestleMania. Huh. And That was a way to get more heat on Charlotte, get the rub from Rick, you know, orchestrating things. I thought that would have been a great way to do it, but, I mean, I'm not disappointed the way it all went down.
1: I want to talk about the Montreal job some when we come back. One thing that I read in this week's Wrestling Observer I thought was really interesting is that Kevin Owens was given that Stone Cold Stunner, basically, giving that stunner to be this babyface character, this everyman character. On house shows, the stunner was being tested with Becky Lynch doing that move. And, of course, the comparisons of Becky Lynch to Steve Austin. I don't know if I would have liked if she would have started doing the stunner or not. Well, no it seems one like it would have been too obvious. Yeah, I, I don't know that anybody needs to, Now that Kevin Owens is a heel, he didn't really need to do it at all. Just go back to apron powerbombing people and seemingly shortening their careers. There'll never be a better one than the first one, though. The one on Sami Zayn in NXT is untouchable. When we come back, news about the Montreal Screwjob and a pretty good documentary. Square Circle Radio, 104.5 The Zone. (laughs) Final segment, Square Circle Radio here on 104.5 the Zone. Big Orange Sunday following us. Brendan Hagney, David Reed, I'm Jason Martin. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. We were
2: talking about Lars Sullivan in the break because yeah. that's a that's a topic we always get into yeah. these days. Um, It was Corey Graves on Tuesday, and I want to go find the tweet because I, I can't remember the exact words. Um, but Corey Graves... On Tuesday, when Lars Sullivan walked out, uh, basically called him terrifyingly agile and incredibly intelligent, which we have seen absolutely no example of since Lars Sullivan debuted. Like Lars Sullivan is just walking out, hitting four power moves on somebody and walking away. There is no agility involved in what he's doing, and there's certainly no intelligence Involved. We haven't heard him speak since he debuted. Like, and then we got a tweet on Tuesday saying, "Well, that's that's what he was in NXT." Like, that's the thing. The majority of the WWE audience that is watching these shows, and there's only like two and a half million
1: of them these days, aren't watching NXT from week to week. Well, you remember when we had this same discussion about Emma when they first called Emma up and about how they told the Emma story in NXT. Well, you've got to tell that story to the main roster audience because they don't know the character if they haven't watched the. Yeah, you NXT can't just Pride. have
2: some random person showing up doing a goofy dance and expect people to get it.
0: Exactly. I mean, Maybe. you felt it necessary to tell us and introduce us how many times to Ricochet and Alistair Black and and that whole crew and 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 you uh, and you don't think it's necessary for Lars Sullivan who wasn't on NXT television for nearly the same length of time as. Alistair Black was like we were, back when
2: Lars Sullivan was in NXT, the audience was supposed to think of him as like a Hank McCoy type beast in, in, yeah. in, in, the X-Men comics. Like he would cut, you know, promos backstage using incredibly like four, four to five syllable right. words. Like we we're supposed to think of him as incredibly intelligent but between the ro- between the ropes. He was an
1: absolute beast, a savage.
2: That's not been the character on Character's uh, done
1: nothing but laugh and laugh and hurt people.
2: Yes. Like he he has basically been built as every other quote unquote monster character that WWE has debuted for more than a decade now.
1: Right. So you should be talking about him in that context until he opens up the rest of that character, and then you can actually start using these other descriptors. So I don't know if you take this with a grain of salt or if this is real or what, but there's graphics that apparently have been leaked that give away both the men's and the women's Money in the Bank participants that were accidentally leaked in advertising by WWE.
2: That are supposed to be revealed on A Moment of Bliss tomorrow,
1: right? I think so. So here is the men's, according to this graphic, if it's right. Drew McIntyre, Cesaro, Rey Mysterio... Ricochet, Alistair Black, Andrade, and the aforementioned Lars Sullivan being the seven for the men's money in the bank ladder match. If Lars is in it, he's going to win it, right? One would expect. He's going to be
0: terrifyingly agile. Yeah, I don't think you can paint yourself into that corner.
1: (laughs) I just, I feel like if you're going to, you can't have him lose. Not the way that they're doing what they're doing. Then the women's match, Tamina, Mm. Sasha Banks, Okay. Who may or may not be there? What? Well, Natty, Naomi, Bailey, 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 Carmella, Ember Moon, and Sonya DeVille. This sounds like it was leaked to see what their reaction is going to be. I think it's very possible that's true.
2: <laughs> I don't. Like, I don't think you can make a graphic right now with Sasha Banks on it because you have I no mean, you idea can, if she's you be can be there or you not. You can
1: make that graphic, but at least don't buy when it comes to that thing. So I watched Dark Side of the Ring, the Montreal Screwjob documentary this week. First off, it's not very good. Now, other versions of these are good. The third episode is about Bruiser Brody and his death and that story from behind the scenes, and it's pretty well told. The one that, I I don't know if it airs tonight. I'm not sure what day of the week it airs. It's on Viceland, but it's on demand through virtually anybody's cable system.
0: you can go ahead and watch it. It's airing on its regular schedule on Wednesday
1: nights. Okay, Wednesday nights. So this coming Wednesday night, I've heard this thing is spectacular. I haven't gotten to see it in advance. It's about the Von Erichs. And the rise and fall, and it's got Kevin Von Erich in it, and I've heard it's outrageously good. But the reason I want to talk about the Montreal screw job deal is because there is a reveal within the documentary that is information that none of us knew. And Dave Meltzer has come out and said, Look, I've known this since ninety eight. We we did this in confidence. And the guy who reveals it also said, Yeah, I told Dave back in ninety eight and swore and basically said, Hey, don't don't ever reveal this. And what comes in the documentary is who hatched the plan, who came up with the idea of the sharpshooter and everything that led to, well, we know kind of how history played from there. And it turns out that it was Jim Cornette. And Cornette went on his podcast over the past two weeks. He did like 40 minutes on it last week, and then he had Meltzer on this week for another 40 minutes where they discussed it. Meltzer, very lengthy in this week's Observer lays it out and says, look, yeah, Jim talked to me back in 98, told me about it, and he said, look, if whoever it was that, if Cornette dies, he was going to reveal it after his death. And he said that the only other person he had told was Brian Alvarez in the case of his own death that Brian would know to be able to release that information. So it's kind of amazing. And it's funny because Cornette puts it in a way that's really good. He talked... You, one thing you know about Cornette, love him or hate him, is he's all about kayfabe and trying to keep it real. Inadvertently, he is to blame for what he believes is when the business died in 1997 when it did not protect itself anymore. And it was because of that. And it was inadvertent. He had read a book called The Fall Guys, which was about screw jobs and double crosses in like 1900 to 1930. And one of those led him to his version of what he would tell Vince McMahon at a meeting with Vince Russo outside of Vince McMahon's house the Wednesday before Survivor Series, where basically Brett was shooting down every idea. And so he finally said, look, it's your belt. Take it from him. And so he gives him the idea, and Vince just kind of blows it off. He doesn't know what's going on. And then Cornette's watching the monitors that Sunday night In the gorilla position and he sees the sharpshooter and he realizes, holy cow, he's actually going to do my idea. And so Cornette books it to his car because he's afraid someone's going to tie it to him and just like tries to get out of the arena because he's scared to death. It's fascinating that this comes up in the documentary. There's a lot of other stuff in this documentary. It's a total waste of time, like Scott Hall saying it's a work. For example, and trying to play that out and say, you know, we never discussed it. Yeah. I'm sure Scott Hall never discussed that with Shawn Michaels. They talked about everything together. And then there's Vince Russo in there claiming credit for it himself, not doing a very good job of it. And then it turns into Cornet versus Russo, which I don't think needs to happen in the middle of this documentary. But it is amazing to me that this thing happened what 22 years ago, and we are still still talking about this thing and there is a documentary out there in addition to wrestling with shadows in addition to you know countless articles that have been written about this thing and we're still finding out new information about it and the idea that it was jim Cornette, i think is pretty hilarious considering how hard he has tried to maintain what pro wrestling's realism was and he feels like he's to blame in large part for what happened in '97.
0: I, I I was a little bit disappointed in 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 this one and the story it they're told. Good. It wasn't very good, but the other ones have been great. Uh, Brody and Savage. Macho Man have been really good. I'm really looking forward to the Von Erichs. I thought uh, Dutch Mantell is narrating all of these except for except for the one that he's in the Brody yeah. one. So he's done a great job on that. But yeah, I mean, I I I had heard that Cornette. May have been the one who who was responsible for at least putting that seed of an idea in Vince McMahon's mind. What this thing did not m- need to me was Vince Russo. No. <laughs> like that's where that's where, they could been the it's... greatest documentary in the history of film. When you put Vince Russo on my screen, I'm done with it. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad they saved it to nearly the very end of the the. You can really show. say that about anything in the last twenty years. Yeah. This thing he's been involved Vince in Russo, or tried yeah. to
1: create. So it, it's and he's interesting, just, and
0: like he's not even a convincing liar. No, he's like not. You, you can look at the
1: man and tell you he's lying, mostly because he's breathing. And I love that he's like, "Look, I didn't want, I, I don't want to take credit for this, but I've got to take credit for this." No, you really don't. Nobody's buying it. Like Cornett's story actually makes sense. It makes total sense, right?
0: Because it, what is it? It's, it's Cornette again bringing up the history of the business where the idea originally came from.
1: Yeah, and I kind of want to read that book. Even though it's about stuff that's so far back that it, I don't know, who knows? Maybe it would not be interesting. But it's definitely, it's interesting if you want to just kind of cut through it. It's only a 43-minute documentary, so it's not going to take you too long to watch. Some of it is intriguing. Cornette's podcast the language is just so difficult. But I, I got through that one just because I wanted to hear him talk about it for as lengthy as he did. And he does. He goes into great detail. And just tells it from the very beginning how it all sort of played out. So that's worth your time this week. It might be more worth your time, as a matter of fact, than Raw and SmackDown. Actually, I would say it's Quite almost possible. assuredly better than Raw is going to be. SmackDown, different. Unless there's a shakeup. WWE stock price is down, what, 20 bucks this week. We will discuss next week reasons for that. What might change? It's going to go back up because of Saudi Arabia and because of Fox. I still think this stock's going to be in bad shape in a few years. And the ratings right now,
2: there doesn't seem to be a bottom.
1: There doesn't seem to be a bottom right now. There does not at all. So we'll discuss all of that in detail. Again, congratulations to Jonathan Hutton. We'll see you next week on Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone.